I'm Major Robinson. Leslie Messer. Mike Halligan. Joel Rosette. Mary Stranahan. Senator Dwayne Ackney. Marcy McLean in Billings, Montana. In, in Helena, Montana. Box Elder, Montana. Rocky Boys Indian Reservation. Colstrip, Montana. Sydney, Montana. From Arlie, Montana. And you are listening. You are listening. And you're listening to. And you are listening to Listen First. Listen First. Listen First. You are listening to the podcast Listen First Montana. Hi, this is Chantel Schieffer, President and CEO of Leadership Montana. Views and opinions shared by guests of Listen First Montana do not reflect the opinions of all of our alumni or organization. We are a large group with lots of opinions, believe me. If you hear something that makes you uncomfortable, we invite you to listen deeply, listen hard, and listen first. This is Chantel Schieffer, and you're listening to Listen First Montana. We are in Helena, where our board and staff and our consultants are gathering for the next couple of days to reconnect and recalibrate and recharge after the long year that we've just had. This is a time every summer we come together to just really dig into the work of Leadership Montana and how we want to move forward together. So I've got three of my board members here with me this evening. I've got Barb Sestero from Bozeman. She's the program director with the Wilderness Society. Hi, Barb. Hi, Chantel. It's good to be here. It's great to have you. Ariel Overstreet-Adkins, she's an attorney with Bluebird Law in Billings, Montana. Hello, Ariel. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course. And, and from Sydney, Cami Skinner, who's a principal of Sites Insurance. Hi, Cami. Hello. Welcome to the side of the state. Happy to be here. How long did it take you to get here today? It was a quick eight hours oh, and a beautiful drive <laughs> at that. So. You know, I sometimes when people say, oh, I have to go all the way to eastern Montana, I'm like, yes, you do, because they come all the way over to Western Montana. It's the same distance both ways, right? <laughs> it is, and I'm happy to be here. We're excited to have you here. All right, ladies, let's dig in. Let's talk about uh, who you are, what you do, and what's exciting you right now. Barb, let's start with you. Wow, well, I'm, I'm Barb Sestero. I've been uh, living in Bozeman for well over 20 years now, so have seen a lot of growth and change in our little valley in Western Montana. And what's exciting me right now in this time of incredible change in Montana is all of the opportunity that comes with that and the, the opportunity to think about how to do things differently and build uh, new relationships and new ideas and um, take our state forward through this change in a way that, that helps lift all of our boats. And you're a participant in our Indigenous Immersion Initiative this yes. year. Can you tell us a little bit about what that's meant to you? Yeah, that that has been probably the biggest gift for me this year. And the opportunity to learn with uh, Native and non-Native alumni from across the state about um, our Indigenous neighbors in Montana has been just a, a treat and a delight and so rich in learning and I, I would say that that um, and the the creativity and the resilience and the strength in our native communities is probably one of the things that excites me most right now um, just 
great beauty and creativity and and real challenge, um, but a, a a real sense that the time is right to to really bring our native and non-native alumni together and native and non-native Montanans together to to build bridges and and tackle some big challenges together. Ariel, you're next, and I want to I want to start by sharing one of my favorite stories about you. Is that okay? Sure. Okay, so I got to know Ariel and her now husband Zach before they were married years ago. We were on this epic river trip together on the Salmon River, where we spent what five days together talking about issues facing Montana. It was like Leadership Montana on rafts, which was so <laughs> rad, right? It was awesome. And you got in, you and Zach got engaged the night before we took off, and. Uh, at the, the very last day, you turned to me, you both turned to me and said, tell us about this Leadership Montana thing. So I sold you, like, hopefully I sold you that day. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I remember it a little differently. And this is, I love, right, our own memories mm-hmm. are so different. I remember that we were sitting on a, a, a river bar, like in the gravel, and we had just had this big group conversation. And Zach and I were talking with you. I don't remember the topic. And I, I just remember you saying to us, you both need to do Leadership Montana. So maybe both of those things happened, but it's just that's what sticks out to, to me in my mind, and it was awesome. Because I, if Chantel says that you need to do something, that was my first lesson. You need to do it. <laughs> that's got to make the pod for sure. <laughs> and then fast forward to a few years later, you guys go through Leadership Montana as a betrothed couple, right? You hadn't been married yet. No, we, ha- we oh, were, you were married. Yeah, we were married in uh, June 30th. And then class starts in Big Sky in September. So I think so, you were our first married couple yes. to go through the program. And I was lucky enough to be invited to your wedding. And I showed up on the wrong day. The right venue, but the wrong day. How long had you guys been home from the hospital? Like a week from having our child I, I in think, the NICU for eight weeks. I think you're you know, allowed to make a mistake there. And <laughs> also, who schedules these things on a Sunday? That would be me. And so it, was, it just had all the makings for misunderstanding. But we sat down. We we're, you know, fixing to celebrate Zach and Ariel. And we realized we were at the wrong wedding. And we promptly got up and left. Yeah. All right, Ariel, tell us about yourself. I'm an attorney in Billings. Uh, I opened up my own shop uh, called Bluebird Law. And we specialize in comprehensive and personalized estate planning, among lots of other things. Um, agriculture, water, business, so forth. Uh, and I am the mother of a very busy toddler. So that is what consumes my life right now. Mm-hmm. And that's probably what is exciting in your life right now. Very too, exciting. Yeah. 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 Uh, what's exciting, I think, is that it's summertime in Montana. Summertime in Montana is always so exciting. I think there's a sense of urgency and we've got to fit everything in while the weather's nice. And so I feel that. And then I feel it um, from my almost two year old just learning and exploring the world and all the fun things that summer brings, all the water play, all the things to explore. And so it's just kind of extra exciting. Thank you. All right. And Cami, tell us a little bit about yourself and what is exciting you right now. Perfect. Well, I'm a Northeastern Montana native who's had the greatest gift to be able to return back to Northeastern Montana where I work uh, with an insurance agency called Sites Insurance in Sydney. And I live there with my husband, John, and our golden doodle, Molly, who accompanies us on pretty much every travel we take. Uh, But what really excites me right now about Montana is just stemming off of what Barb said is the opportunity. And I think Leadership Montana is poised to play a very big part in developing 
uh, in advancing Montana's opportunities right now. What do you see as some of those opportunities in Montana from your perspective? I think one of the opportunities that excites me most is when I visit with people that are Montana, you know, not just if they're natives, even if they've just moved here from out of state, they appreciate the opportunity to live here in Montana, and they're very charitable. And so one of the things I see as an opportunity for Montana is uh, with the transfer of wealth that's happening and will continue to happen. And so I hope that we can create uh, really a culture of giving and philanthropy in the state so people as they're making their plans for how their legacy will be carried out, that they'll think about their communities and the organizations that have impacted them uh, so that we can continue to flourish. And you, you also serve on the board of the Montana Community Foundation, correct? I do, yes. And I've heard this term transfer of wealth quite often, but I'm not sure I quite understand it. Can you help us understand? Yeah, I can. So basically the transfer of wealth um, is just people with their estates uh, being able to give a part of that back or how, they, how that transfers um, when they pass on and the legacy that they want to create. So I think it's a very important topic that we discuss um, because I think people have a genuine desire to give back and impact their communities and people uh, long after they've gone. Mm. And Ariel, your work in, in estate planning, I'm sure this has to ring true to you as well. Yeah, absolutely. And especially in Montana, I think with our agricultural roots, um, there's a lot of conversation about who's going to be the next person to operate the farmer ranch. Um, and so the transfer of wealth in that way as well is, is an interesting topic facing our state. I just read a statistic, I think, this morning about how fewer um, family farms and ranches there are in Montana. And, and I know you have a, a long history and background in, in agriculture. Can you speak to us a little bit about what has changed in ag in the last 100 years, 50 years? I think there's been a lot of change in technology um, that replaces the need for manual labor. Um, I think there's just been some genera generational changes as far as what people who grow up on a farm and ranch want to do. Do they have the opportunity to come back to the ranch? Do they have the funds to, to make it work? Or do they have other interests um, somewhere else? So, What do you see as opportunities to address those changes? I think just um, some awareness of how important agriculture is to our state. I think there's a, a big divide between urban and rural in Montana. And I, I think that that's one of the opportunities that Leadership Montana has to, to bridge that gap. Um, and for because we all depend on agriculture, we all eat mm -hmm. every single day. Um, and then I think agriculture has such an important part in our state as far as our natural beauty, um, preserving some of the open spaces. Um, so I don't know how to solve the, the challenge of making sure that we continue to have people involved in agriculture, but I think some awareness and just some support from people knowing how important it is for us to have people working in that way. Barb, what do you see as opportunities for Montana right now? Well, I think as uh, both Cami and Ariel have touched on, um, there are there are folks moving here because of our natural beauty and and because they're drawn to the open space and the clean our clean water and our rivers and I see that as a um, as an opportunity to engage them in conversations and educating folks who are moving here about things like 
what it means for agriculture to be starting to be surrounded by development and you know engage folks in conversations about what it takes to really steward our lands and keep them as beautiful and open as they are today for future generations um and so i think you know folks are bringing new ideas and new resources and if we can um, connect the new folks with folks like us who've lived here for a long time um, i think we can come up with some really creative solutions this is a, a theme that's come up for me in a few different experiences and in, in leadership Montana events lately is, is there a role for us as an organization to play in really welcoming these newcomers to our state? And, and I, they're coming from all over the world and they're moving to all parts of our state, right? They're moving to not just the West, but the East and the central parts as well. We have been discovered. And I wonder when I say that to you, what, what, what does that make you think of? Is there a role for us to play in, in welcoming and educating and supporting in some way new residents to our state? Cami, what's on your mind? I do. And I think it really starts with our alumni network. We have about, I think it's around 1,000 members that have gone through the Leadership Montana program. And to me, that's where it starts as we're all ambassadors for not only Leadership Montana, but the state of Montana. And we all have a common language, and that's of collaboration, civility, and I think that stems in the conversations and the way we're open to welcoming others. Other thoughts? From my flagship class on through to today and the Indigenous Immersion Initiative, I continue to learn and learn more and more about Montana every time I participate in something um, with Leadership Montana. So I, I definitely think that there is a place for Leadership Montana to, to welcome new folks in and um, start um, helping them learn and understand about the vastness of this state and that it's, it's a big state, but it's still a small town. Um, and engage folks in conversations around the issues that the state's confronting today. And, and you're in Bozeman, so mm-hmm. you're seeing a lot of change. Yeah. <laughs> and you've been there more than 20 years. Yep. What have you seen happen in this in, in the recent in the last four or five years? Well, change has been happening there since I got there. Um, I didn't grow up, but I grew up there. But I got there as soon as I could, um, and. I was not the last um, Mm -hmm. new person to arrive. Um, In the last four years, I I feel like it's definitely accelerated um, and uh, accelerated to such a pace that I think all of us are having a hard time wrapping our brains around it and and getting ahead of of how we can still keep the, the friendly small town feeling that we have. And yet I do think it's it's possible. I mean, people are moving there because they love it and they want to be there and they w- don't want to see it change. So sometimes the folks that are, as, are the most upset about the change are the folks that have arrived the most recently, mm-hmm. um, it seems. So um, I think because it's happening so fast, sometimes our our civility and our collaboration breaks down. And so that's a real place, I think, where we have work to do to make sure that we are are continuing to 
to be kind to our neighbors and be charitable and um, continue to have hard but civil and creative conversations about the change. Do you have examples of, of anything you've seen in the community that points to a lack of civility? You know, I think I think sometimes, particularly when we're talking on social media about, um, you know, new developments that are being proposed and going in, um, and even sometimes in the, the letters that people send to the city commission, um, we let our anger flare, um, and it's it's human. I think it's just human nature, but it, it I think it's driven by how fast things are happening. Um, so people are very much reacting um, with their lizard brain. Mm-hmm. Um, change is hard. Change is hard. And social media is toxic. Yep. In my opinion. Yep. Has some value, but Ariel, you're nodding. You what? Mm-hmm. What's on your mind? No, just this is a big, big topic. Um, people moving in, and and I agree with what Barb said that we have a lot in common. We all love Montana. And the people who move here move here because they love Montana. They love something that that our state has to offer. And and I've had some some clients, and I ask them every time, I'm, "Oh, you just moved here?" And um, I had had some clients move uh, into a very small town near Billings, and I asked them about that. And they're just they said, "We this is the the way we want to raise our kids." And so we all I think a lot of people can agree with that this is where we want to raise our kids and um so i think there's so much to agree on and it's it's human nature to focus on what we disagree on or try to place blame or just look for somebody else somebody to point the finger at and i think it would be a lot more constructive for us to just have some conversations and leadership montana i think certainly has a place there and i think our flagship program i hope some of the newcomers will apply to to join our ranks and and become members of the flagship class um, coming up in the future because I think a lot of those conversations can happen in that setting and I think there'll be a lot more understanding when there's some gracious space to talk about where we agree and maybe where we disagree. you navigated these challenging years through this pandemic through you know social unrest and political you know discourse that has delved right into debate we've gotten to this place of not even listening really anymore to each other we're just going to our our camps and going to our corners and into our silos and we're not engaging what is navigating that world that we live in right now look like and mean to you, Cami? For me, I always have to start with looking within. And I have to look within myself and understand what, first of all, what are my core values? And I think that always helps me address any time I have to deal with conflict. Um, And similar to what Ariel said is oftentimes I realize we do have a lot more in common than that small percentage that we disagree on. So I try to find that part and, and start with the commonalities. And then I realized that once we've built that trust, we can have those hard conversations and come out with uh, as positive of an outcome as possible. 
How do you get to that starting point of even engaging in a conversation with someone that maybe you don't know very well or has a different opinion than you do? How do what, what's the first step for you? I think part of it is getting to know them, asking what's important to that other person so that I can understand where they're coming from and really start to build that connection and trust. To me, that's where I have the most success. Mm. That's a great tip. Ariel, what do you, what is, what do you think about this? What, how are you navigating the challenges of the world? Self-care has never been more important for all of us. And um, it's hard. Self-care is very hard, especially, I think, for, for people who are so focused on what's going on outside that we often put self-care on the back burner. And it has to, it has to be at the forefront now. Um, I'm not a, I'm not great at it, but I'm working on it, and so I hope uh, that people are really trying to take care of themselves because we can't we can't do anything for our families and we can't do anything for our communities if we ourselves are not well. And so that's become very clear to me, and I've tried to put that into to practice a little bit what more. Does that, what does that look like for you? Getting to the gym, having some time to decompress. It looks like wasting a day watching Netflix when I need to waste a day and watch Netflix. Mm -hmm. I used to get really hard on myself about that. That was a waste. It's not a waste. I'm, I'm resting and rest is important. It's super important. So it's, it looks a million different ways for me. I grew up in big timber, uh, north of big timber and it's going to my family's place north of big timber and sitting and being still and being near horses sitting on the bridge, listening to the creek run below me, feeling the wind, Big Timber has lots of wind, uh, feeling the wind, mm. just getting back in touch with what makes Montana so great and why I wanna be here, that recharges me mm. and, and helps a lot. So um, yeah, I think just really focusing on that root of, of our being and why we're here, what, why we do what we do can really help us as we face a lot of these really challenging things that are happening right now. Barb? I mean, what Ariel just said right down to the wasting a day on Netflix really resonates. Um, Self-care, I think, is really key for me as well. Um, and a big part of my self-care is getting outside and getting surrounded by nature and um, being reminded that it is still a remarkably beautiful place. Um, and this summer, spring and summer, with all the rain and the wildflowers have just been amazing, um, has, has been a really grounding um, thing for me. Um, so nature, whether it's hiking in the mountains or floating down a river, um, is pretty key to my ability to navigate these times for sure or even just being in my backyard taking care of my vegetable garden and my flowers and puttering around that way it seems to me like we've had more conversations about what it means to care for ourselves in the last two three years like mm -hmm. through through this pandemic phase than than i've certainly have engaged in um, previous to that and i think that's really important and healthy and I hope that it's something that stays with us through this uh, you know coming out of the pandemic whenever we do who knows um, that 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 we can take with us this deeper sense of caring for ourselves and loving ourselves you're all nodding so yeah. say more 
What does that look like for you, Cami? How will you carry that forward? I think for a long time, I felt it was selfish mm-hmm. to take care of myself or engage in those things that um, brought me balance. But I've realized, especially over the last few years, that I can't show up and be my best for others if I don't take care of and give myself peace and comfort first. So it's become a part of my daily routine, whether it's a walk with my dog and my husband or getting out and just enjoying the fresh air, even when it's 20 below zero. I know that that's what I need to nourish myself um, so that I can truly show up and be better. That's the freshest of fresh air, right? It is. 20 below zero. (laughs) Chantel, can I turn it around and ask you a question? You got it. I think this spring, something really remarkable happened nationally with Brene Brown saying and announcing to everyone, I'm I'm taking the summer off for the first time ever. And I I was sitting there going, oh my gosh, that's revolutionary. (laughs) And then you said, you know what? Yeah. I'm taking a month off. I don't know the the timing of all of that, but I would love to know how that experience was for you, how you got to that experience, and if you're willing to talk about it. Yeah, sure. Thank you. I am a a Brene Brown devotee, as everyone at this table knows. Um, I've actually had a chance to work with her and be trained and certified in her leadership training, so I definitely pay attention to what she is doing and, and when she she did announce a sabbatical of like 14 weeks or something my first response was oh gosh that sounds just amazing and and how restorative and and she not only for herself but also for her team built in some really you know powerful rest and play time which is one of her quotes that I attach myself to more than any is that we have to prioritize rest and play and I and I've tried to do that in my my life in general um, and on the, the flip side of that, it comes of, of this revolutionary announcement, as you said, comes a lot of privilege. Not everyone can do that. Not everyone can just push pause for 14 weeks, right? And I you know, decided that I, you know, I was at a kind of a place in, in my professional um, and personal life. I was like, I'm really tired. It's been a long couple of years of navigating this pandemic and, and I need a, I need a rest I need a break and I found this four-week period that I didn't have a lot going on and I just blocked it off and some things crept in you know urgent things crept in that um, I couldn't you know ignore other than that I was able to really have this this space to just really rest and watch Netflix and read books and play and um, I probably need another month. <laughs> um, and I would, you know, really encourage and, and, and people to find those, those spaces in their calendars when they can take time to just totally check out of those day-to-day responsibilities. And we were talking just recently, Barb and I, about uh, in, the nonprofit, in the nonprofit sector, it's very common to have a sabbatical built in after seven years seven or so. Years. And you have years coming up, hopefully someday yep. in the next year. Hopefully next summer. Hopefully next summer. And I think that that's really important that the nonprofit community does that because sometimes wages aren't what they you know, really could be or should be. And sometimes what we can give is time. And I think that every sector should embrace this idea of sabbaticals. The academic sector does. Why doesn't the for-profit sector? You know, what is it going to take for us to kind of break away from this hustle culture to really prioritize 
that deep rest, that deep play, that that restorative, recalibrating um, time that we all need. We all need that. What what is it going to take for us to embrace that as a culture across society? Well, I think what you did was a really important thing. You you showed us that 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 can be done and that it should be done and you've modeled the way it's not something that I'm able to put into place right now but it's something that I'm like when can I when can I do this I see the value in it and it I think it takes modeling and for us to see people doing it and see the benefits from it I think the other sectors not just nonprofit for profit I think they're going to see it and say this is good for what we do mm-hmm you know, I think I think too that this may be one place where there is a silver lining in this pandemic because I think w- we've all learned that we can pivot to working from home on a dime. We can make that happen and make that work. And I think people are are starting to understand that um, giving people more flexibility, giving people time to play and to rest, can actually enhance longevity with companies. Certainly that's been the experience at the Wilderness Society. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the nature of work is going to be different moving forward from the pandemic. Um, and that's that's exciting and a great opportunity. Cammie, what do you see from, from your perspective from the private sector and how, how has work changed or how do you how do you think it will change if it hasn't? I think we're open to change which is probably the greatest blessing that's coming from this, is knowing that we can do things in different manners and we'll still be okay and we'll still be successful. And that's why I'm just nodding my head as everybody's been speaking, saying, yes, this is a good thing. Um, And we're learning from it. And I think we're going to come out stronger. Like you said, that there's an opportunity for us to show that we are more productive, we are more efficient, we are we are better employees, employers, colleagues, and coworkers, and parents, and spouses, and friends, and all of the things that we do. Community leaders, we're better at everything when we're wholly aligned in ourselves. And to be wholly aligned in ourselves, we have to understand more about who we are mm-hmm. and what makes us. What gets us out of bed every day? What makes us excited? What fills our cups and makes us passionate and makes us want to work hard for all of those things that that we have in our lives? And I think, not to genderize this, but especially as women, we, you know, we, we fill so many roles and we are most often, if not always, the last thing on our to do list, our priority list, right? The last thing. We have to take care of everyone else first. How do we change that? Thinking of Leadership Montana, I used to have this mindset that every time it was time to go to a class or a retreat, it was coming at the most busy time of the month. There was no way I could possibly get away. How am I going to be able to do this? And I found that every time I invested in that time away with Leadership Montana, I came back recharged, I came back refreshed, and I came back much more efficient. So I've really shifted my mindset that whenever Leadership Montana pops up on my calendar, I don't look at it as this thing saying, oh, how am I going to get away? Because I know that my calendar is always going to be full, 
but instead I get to say, ah, I get to go to Leadership Montana knowing I'm going to come back with a cup full mm. and I'm going to come back stronger on that next week. So I think a part of it's a mindset shift mm-hmm. is that we get to do these things. Mm-hmm. There's so much power in, in just that simple word change of I get to do this rather than I have to do this. I have found when I, because I have a lot of Leadership Montana things on my calendar, <laughs> and they aren't always as, as satisfying as, as, as they are for the participants in my role. But if I wake up and I say, I get to host these conversations with really amazing people in this beautiful facility, that makes it like it's a thousand times better than if I said, oh, I have to go to work today. Last thoughts on how do we, how do we change this for for ourselves how do we how do we get to that place where we value ourselves in the way that gosh I hope we do someday for me uh, having a toddler mm-hmm. has actually really put this into sharp focus for me because it's not just that I want to put her first but I want to teach her how to take care of herself and so trying to be the model makes me behave in a little bit different ways. I am much more purposeful about it. So just a silly little example. Eliana, that's my daughter's name, she is very attached to mama. And so it's been very difficult to get up at 5.30 in the morning two or three times a week to go to the gym because she does. She cries, she's upset. And uh, it was just adorable. The other day, I said, Mama's going to go to the gym in the morning. And she, oh, no, Mama, no. Mama's going to go to the gym in the morning so she can be strong. Mm. And Eliana put her arms up, flexed her muscles, and said, strong. And that just really made it hit home for me uh, that it does matter what we're doing and that what we're showing people that can be done and teaching our daughters and teaching our sons that we have to take care of ourselves. So that's, that's been my experience. Mm. That's a powerful motivator. Yeah. Seeing yourself through someone else's eyes. Yeah. Barb. You know, for me, it, it's, it's really a matter of making it a daily practice. And I am not always very good at that. Um, so, you know, sometimes when I'm super busy and I'm making all the lists of all the things I have to do, I actually have to write myself and the thing I'm going to do for myself that day on my own list and it it's kind of hokey but I don't know how else to do it mm-hmm. but with that daily practice and reminder that it's okay I gotta take time for myself I try to to, to do mine first like my mommy time my time is first thing in the morning and it's meditating it's reading it's exercising it's whatever I need to do to ground myself for the day and if if I do those five things on my morning routine my morning grounding list then I've accomplished a lot for that day even before anyone else wakes up all right rapid fire Cammy, who is your favorite superhero and why my dad He's a man who has overcome a lot of challenges in his life, but has always remained positive and has always lived life with appreciation. Mm. Love that. Barb, who do you admire the most? I, my aunt is, 
someone that I have always really admired and who I now miss dearly, but she um, was a baby boomer, the youngest of three girls, and was um, well, uh, went away to college and to get her PhD and moved to California and was a professor of, of um, speech disorders. Um, but she was just, she loved books. She was an adventurer, traveled to China where she met her husband um, and just, yeah, was someone who helped me a lot throughout my growing up um, and uh, was just a super interesting, wonderful woman. Mm, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing memories with her, of yeah. her with us. Cammie, if a movie was made of your life, what would the genre be and who would play you? Well, Reese Witherspoon would play me. Of course, me. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I love autobiographies, mm. and I love learning people's stories. So it would be, it'd be a story about my life. Mm, I love that. And starring Reese Witherspoon. Starring Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> Ariel, what are you reading right now? You always have the best recommendations for me. Well, first of all, I'm not. I never read anything. I listen. I'm listening to Hannah Gadsby's autobiography. She's a comedian that's had a couple of. Netflix specials um, and I she's just very honest and authentic and raw and I really enjoy listening to her talk about her life is she funny she's hilarious yeah she's really great all right Barb if you could spend one day doing anything at all what would you do you know honestly right now I think I would spend a day with Habitat for Humanity building homes mm. That's better than my, like, sleeping all day. Yeah. That's well, what I was yeah. going to say. There's that, too, but... <laughs> I, I, didn't, I, I didn't want to put that in a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I would sleep all day. All right, Cammie, if you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go and why? I have a big bucket list of travels. I'm really intrigued by Iceland right now. Mm. Um, but in the end, if I could spend any time or any place... I love going home to my family's farm and ranch. It's Where? always uh, very far northeastern corner of Montana, about a couple miles in from North Dakota. Mm. Ariel, are you a morning person or a night person? I am naturally a night person, but ever since having a kiddo, I, she wakes up so early and is just pumped about the day. And so I have to match her energy and try to be up early. I cannot match the being pumped about the day <laughs> right away. But becoming a morning person, even though I'd much rather be a night owl. Not by choice. Barb, what's your favorite hobby? Oh, skiing of all kinds. Downhill, yeah. cross country. Downhill, Italian. cross country. If it involves snow and skis, it brings me great joy. Cami, what is the strangest thing you've ever eaten? I just came back from a trip in Peru, so I would say guinea pig. Ooh. Mm. Does it taste like chicken? It did. <laughs> Ariel, what is one of your quirks? I have so many. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if this is really a quirk, but I am a completely different person if I haven't eaten. And sometimes when I get pretty surly, the people who know me the best are like, Ariel, have you, have you eaten anything lately? <laughs> and then I get something to eat and the world is a much better place. <laughs> so I don't know if that's a quirk because I think a lot of people are like that, but that's one of my most notorious 
quirks. Oh, I love it. And I'm going to start packing Snickers around. <laughs> All right. This last question I am going to ask to each of you, and it is to describe yourself in three words. Starting with you, Barb. Describe yourself in three words. Patient, hardworking, happy. Cammy. I had three, and then I totally was listening to Barb, and I said, those are fantastic, Barb. <laughs> That's you. <laughs> Calm, loyal, joyful. Oh, yeah. And Ariel. Empathetic, kind, and intense. I love all of those words for each of you. Thank you so much for spending this time with me, spending this time together, talking about our experiences in leadership and life and, and how we get better at, at both. And I'm just so grateful for the roles that you play with Leadership Montana and, and the year that we are about to embark upon together. There are no words of gratitude strong enough for me to tell you how much I appreciate you. Thanks to Chantel Schieffer, Barb Sistero, Cami Skeener, and Ariel Overstreet-Adkins for that fantastic conversation. And thanks to you for listening in. If you've enjoyed today's show and want to support Listen First Montana, please tell a friend about the show or post your favorite episode on social media. Those small steps can really help us connect these stories to more listeners. Our intro is a rendition of the Montana State Song by Scott Gudger, and our other music is from Blue Dot Sessions. We'll see you in two weeks with our next episode. Until then, thanks for listening to Listen First Montana.